0: My cat's in here, and she wanted pets, and I rubbed my nose, and now I have cat hair at my nose, so I need just a second. <clears throat> okay. Welcome to Originality, the podcast where we talk about creativity and the roots of creative genius. I am one of your hosts, Aline Sims, and I am joined, as always, by... Hey Tempest Bradford. idea why I started introducing like the show that way and me not saying your name and having you say your name, but I don't know. I like it. It's fun. It's fun. It's it's the variety. The spice of life <laughs> I've yes, heard. Indeed. So when we talked last time, we talked with Anthony Johnston about uh writing his graphic novel The Coldest City and uh Making that into a movie, well, he didn't make it into a movie, but he had a hand in making that into the movie Atomic Blonde, which is a great movie and a great graphic novel. Um, but one of the things that he talked about what that we actually didn't play was the value of, um, in his creative process or in creative processes, just sitting down and doing the thing, which is something that we've talked about a lot. Uh, so sit down, do the thing. And so I thought, I know who we can have on the show to talk about sitting and doing the thing. And that is Jason Snell, um, who, you know, you may know in the podcasting world, especially if you're an avid Relay FM listener. Uh, but I'm going to have him introduce himself now.
1: Uh, I'm Jason Snell. I am, um, many things. I, uh, I was the lead editor at Macworld for, more than a decade, um, I write about Apple and other technologies at SixColors.com, and I host a whole lot of podcasts, including some on the Relay Network and some on The Incomparable, which is my podcast network. And I am the chair of the board of directors of National Novel Writing Month.
0: What is NaNoWriMo, or National Novel Writing Month? What is it? Well, let me tell you. It's It's a time of year when... All young
2: writers' thoughts turn to writing Mush. a 50,000-word <laughs> novel in a month. Um, so, so yes, that, that is the basics of it. Essentially, uh, National Novel Writing Month is a challenge to writers to uh, write every day or at the very least, you know, write enough on the days that you do write that you can get to 50,000 words at the end of the month. And I believe that breakdown. If you wrote every day and wrote the same amount every day in order to get to fifty thousand, is something like one thousand six hundred and something words a day. One thousand six
0: hundred sixty-seven. Well, one hundred six hundred. Mm. Wait, wait. wait. <laughs> one thousand <666. laughs> oh, six hundred sixty-six point six 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 six. Oh, yeah. But all it's those hard. Sixes. To write point six a word. Yeah.
2: I've done it. Like you just write, <laughs> you know, at. But that's not the And maybe a dash. <laughs> There we go.
0: Well, there are some schools of thought. Some people do leave off at the in the middle of a sentence so that they can pick up with that sentence the next day. That's not the type of writer I am, but why not apply that to words, too?
2: Yeah. So so that's what National Novel Writing Month is. And it happens every November. Um and it has grown from its original sort of seed of an idea started by a person into um an organization. Um as Jason was talking about, he's the chairman of the board. I didn't even know they had a board. It's kind of awesome.
0: Yeah. I knew they I knew they had a board. I knew he was on it, but I didn't know he was the chair.
2: Yeah. He's very fancy.
0: He's super fancy.
2: And it also encompasses like other um events going on but also one of the things that I I didn't well I think I became aware of this like about the second or third year they started doing this but the NanoRimo organization um, does a lot of stuff where they're like okay you know we've got all these you know people's attention and they're writing these novels let's also make sure that we um, make people aware of like literacy programs and and donating money to libraries and books and stuff like that so that's also part of the the whole NaNoWriMo thing, but the basics are that you you take a month and you write 50,000 words. And in some, in like the very basic sense of the word, 50,000 words makes a novel.
0: Yeah, and uh, I actually talked a little bit about, well, I didn't. Jason talked a little bit about like that 50,000 word goal. And let me play what he had to say.
1: If you look at what a lot of, not all, but a lot of writers and novelists especially will tell you is their pace that they try to shoot for. Stephen King in his book On Writing talks about this. Their pace is all, you know, it's usually something between 1,500 and 2,000 words a day. And believe it or not, I think it's just actually accidental, but that's the pace for NaNoWriMo. The idea there is if you can put away 1,667 words a day... For 30 days, guess what? You've written a novel of 50,000 words.
0: That's a lot of words. I'm not going to lie. That's a lot of words.
2: That is a lot of words. I mean, there are some people who can write that many words and they're like, whatever. I just wrote that many words. La, la, la.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
2: like those people. <laughs> I don't like them. They're, I say, I tell them that they're my friends, but really secretly I'm just looking at them like, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you?
0: Have you, have you done a NaNoWriMo or a similar challenge? There have been several years where I have
2: attempted to do NaNoWriMo and I never actually can complete it because I don't write that many words in a day. Uh normally. And I find it very difficult to write that many words in a day. And so in other years, I've done sort of a modified NaNoWriMo where I'm like, okay, well, it's November and everybody's writing and there are going to be all these awesome meetups and write-ins that I want to be part of. So I'll do something too, but I'll just set my goals to be different. Um, because I, I have, I always have respected the idea of like setting a goal um, that's like a little bit beyond what one normally does, um, in order to just get in and do a thing. And so for the people who can write, you know, between 1500 and 2000 words a day for those 30 days, like, Ooh, I salute you because seriously, it's, it's not easy for everyone to do. Some people can write 10,000 words a day regularly. I I also frown at those people. I don't like them. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so I've, I've never actually completed NanoRimo, but I have gotten some projects done in November because of NanoRimo.
0: Nice. And I mean, that's, I think that's really what matters, right? Is that you, you do a thing.
2: Yeah. And, and again, it's, in part, it's because there are a lot of other people who are doing it as well. Um, there have been a couple of years that I've spent time hanging out on the NaNoWriMo boards. And so you get a lot of people all coming together being like, oh, this is how much I've written. And these are the things, the problems that I'm running into. And do you run into these problems too? And community I have found is uh, very important to artistic endeavors. And then I love going to write-ins because I really enjoy writing in cafes or other public spaces with other people. And so that's the thing that I love about NaNoWriMo most is the in-person write-ins. Um, that's what gets me excited for November.
0: I like being with people and not feeling obligated to talk with them.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can't talk at a right in. If, yeah, if you start dope. talking, people give you the looks.
0: <laughs> the podcasters like, you know, I really don't like talking to people. Oh, well, not a good look. It's not good. Um, well, so I, last year, I actually was like, this is my year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna NaNoWriMo it up. And uh, I failed. Uh, I lasted about eight days. I'll let you work out <laughs> the timing of that. And then I was like, Nope, this, this isn't happening. Uh, this is just not happening this year. And part of the reason for that for me was that I don't really have a novel idea. You know, you meet people who are like, oh my gosh, I have this great idea for a book, but I don't have the time to write it or I don't know how to write well or, you know, whatever, whatever that reason is. But I am like, I can write really, really dang well. I know I can. I have zero ideas for a book. Like I do not have a novel in me. And so I actually asked Jason about that, what his advice was for people who want to try NaNoWriMo, but don't know what novel
1: they might write. So Chris Beatty's book is called No Plot, No Problem, and it is meant to kind of give you a bunch of quick uh, shortcuts, almost, to getting the whole goal of nanowrimo is put words down on a page, and it's it's actually kind of brilliant. I think it's something that people should do more. We're all self-critical. You got you've got your inner editor. What people end up doing is they end up writing a sentence and then rewriting it and then rewriting it, and that's it. And the way the thing that's great about nanowrimo is the goal is to write. 1,600 words a day, one after the other, um, and not doubling back, just keep going. And I think most writers would tell you the first draft is not going to be that great anyway. You're going to need to do revisions. The important thing is to get the words out and, you know, in NaNoWriMo, you can even like cross out, strike through the stuff that's like, no, that those paragraphs were bad. Just strike them through and leave them there and count them for your word count. That's, that's cool too. So one of the ways that, um, that Chris suggests people to approach is, yeah, you start writing and you could have a a character or a conversation or an action in mind. And then, and then start going, you could have an idea uh, for a lot of science fiction, um, for example, or fantasy, you've got an idea, a, a concept, and it could just be like, what would this this world has this thing that 's different about it, or what if there were a person that was like this and that 's how it starts other other kinds of fiction you might start with a relationship between two people or an interesting character and see what they uh, what they get into, or you can plumb your own i mean you 'll plumb your own history and life experience regardless that 's what all writers do because you know, a book is basically like a reality emulator to a certain degree, simulator, emulator, where you're trying to construct something that feels like it could have really happened. And so you will pull things out of your own life to do that. So there are lots of different approaches. Um, I, I would say, you know, ideally there's something that just sticks in your mind. That is, this is something I'd like to read and it doesn't exist. So I'm going to write it. Or it's this idea that I had, or this person, or this visual that popped into my head. It depends. Everybody's going to be different. But there are a lot of different ways to get on the path. And I think the the great thing about the way NaNoWriMo approaches it is it's really about word count in the end, which I know you could look at that and say, well, it's the quality that matters. It's the idea that matters. Yeah, that's true. But the problem is a lot of times when you make that argument, what you're um, The net result of it, the fallout from that is that you don't write because you're too busy thinking about ideas. So NaNoWriMo is sort of like, all right, it's the first of November. You need 1600 words by the end of the day. Just start writing and see what happens and go with it. And that's what happened to me. Like I said, I had a whole outline of a book and I didn't use it. Instead, I had this this sort of vision of this scene and I started writing it and it turned into uh, ultimately after about a year... A um a very large one hundred sixty thousand word um, novel manuscript.
0: That is a very large novel manuscript. <laughs> is it? I feel like I know people who write
2: much larger novel manuscripts.
0: That's true. I guess when you when you're looking at it from my perspective, where it's like, eh, I I don't know, I don't have any novel ideas.
2: I bet you have ideas, though. Is I bet you do. <laughs>
0: So I was actually going to ask you, as someone who teaches, um, like in writing, the other is this something that you encounter with your students, where you you give them an assignment or, or something to write, and they're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. No, uh, but only because uh, my students tend to come to me when they are in the middle of
2: projects, or if they have uh, a project true. that they really w- want to do, but they're like, oh, but you know, my project has this type of character, that type of character is very different for me, and I should probably learn how to do this before I I set off on this. Or I should probably learn to do this before I make my draft final. But there are lots of different ways to get ideas for NaNoWriMo.
0: I could tell you about them. Yeah, tell tell us. And we talked a little bit about uh, like writing prompts in an earlier episode, but I think um, the advice here is probably similar, but not 100% the same, I would imagine.
2: Well, yeah, I mean... First of all, what you need to do is you need to like Ken Lu go into your spam folder and and find all those people <laughs> who are sending you writing ideas and just still one of those um actually well i'm I'm only saying that half joking because I do seem to remember a friend of mine writing a short story or at least like having some sort of piece of flash fiction come up that was based off of the subject lines, ridiculous subject lines that they found in their oh, spam. Geez. And they were just like, this is like poetry. What is going on with these subject lines on the spam? Because yeah, like, so if you actually sometimes look at your spam that ends up in the spam folder and you're just like, why did they think anybody would click on this? Like this is terrible. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, you know, inspiration, can come from the most unlikely places, including the subject lines of your spam emails. Um, but I I have seen Chris Beatty's book and I, I didn't read it. I like poked through it uh, the one time that I came across it. I think it was in a friend's house and I was like checking out their bookshelf instead of inter- interacting with other people because
1: mm-hmm. that's what do you that? do.
2: Um, yeah, exactly yeah, exactly. So, but I, I do remember that um, a lot of the stuff that, that Chris Beatty talked about it, from my memory seems very similar to... Um, just a lot of different things about just like sort of jump-starting the novel writing process. Um, In, we we have these terms in writing um, and it varies from, Community to community. Um, but the the one I liked best to describe this is that there are gardeners and there are architects. And so gardeners are the type of writers who are just like, I'm gonna plant some seeds and and I know kind of what's gonna come up because I planted those, seed, but oh look, like randomly in this garden there's a rose bush. I love rose bushes. Let's just <laughs> let that rose bush do what it wants to do. Look, there's some marijuana over there in the corner. Let's just <laughs> let's cultivate that a little bit more because we're in the state of Washington that's how I was works. gonna say, not um, in Arizona, not in Arizona, don't do not that. Not in Arizona, no 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 this is Washington state. We're just like, you can just let your garden be taken over by pot and that's fine. But, um, (laughs) so yeah, so like then, you know, it's, it's all about sort of like just cultivating all these beautiful things as they come up and and allowing for there to be surprises and not really planning all that much. Um, and then there's the architects who are like, let me get out my, my T square and the slide rule. And we're going to build this house to these exact proportions. we got to know some math. Um, I, I assume that math is involved. I have a best friend who's an architect. I still not entirely sure what goes on, except there are a lot of lines. A lot of lines. But like and math. The idea is that right. And math. But the idea is that, you know, writers who are architects um do a lot of planning, um, have a lot of things in place before they get to writing because that's just how their brains work. Or, you know, you can be a combination between a gardener and an architect where you could start a book and it just you just kind of let it grow or whatever. And then when you come down to the next draft. That's when you start being the architect. Cause you're like, okay, now I have, I, I I know what I want. And so I'm going to like go into this next draft, like with all these things delineated and whatnot. So, so yeah, like NaNoWriMo does seem to appeal to both types of writers, the the architect and the gardener. But if you feel like you're a person who has no ideas, you just take the gardener approach and just like do some stuff and, and let it grow um, and see what you get. because you know, as Jason said, first drafts are never going to be, like, the best unless you're, like, some person who I don't like whose first drafts are amazing. I don't know who that person might be, but I know I don't like them because (laughs) first drafts are not meant to be amazing. I don't think that's anybody. Yeah, but, like, you you know, just to get out those fifty thousand words, yeah, you might have, like, sort of a a tangled jungle out in your front yard, um, but it could be a lot of fun then coming back and, like, Turning that jungle into a beautiful riotous garden in bloom.
0: <laughs> I love that quote. I uh, one of my favorite favorite things about people who, who write that way. I had a very dear friend, uh, who was a novel writer. She was from, uh, South Korea and, uh, she had, she had cancer and was kind of having a stressful time at home and was like, I need a break from my family. Can I come stay with you for a few days? And so we were like, yeah. So she came and she stayed in our, our guest bedroom and like, we didn't see her. She just needed alone time. So she just stayed in, in that room and, and, um, you know, Justin, I'd be in the living room and she had just start laughing, just laughing. And I came in one day and I was like, Mia, what are you doing? Or like I knocked on the door and, uh, and she was like, I'm so funny. I'm such a funny writer. And, uh, but there's this character. I have this character and I want her to go do her own thing and be independent. And she's falling in love and I don't want her to fall in love. And, and I've got to figure out how, how to make her not do that. And that was, it's one of my favorite things because it's just like this how how stories grow and get away from you and uh characters have kind of minds of their own whether you realize they're going to or not you know you have just like children you have plans for for your story or your characters or whatever and then it goes off in another direction
2: yep characters are always running off with the story and doing things
0: (laughs) They're not supposed
2: to. Well, actually, they're again, there are like some writers who are like, yeah, characters are always running off and doing things. That other writers are like, no, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you are the one who's in control and your characters are they're not real people. And I'm always looking at those people like, you're a writer. Have you no imagination? Science <laughs> fiction writers say those kind of things. And I'm like, you wrote a book where everybody has some implants in their butts, but the right the characters can't run off with the story. Okay, get yeah. out of my life. <laughs> Spent a lot of time making frowny faces about these things on the internet.
0: <laughs> oh, frowny faces. Yes. Um, but so in terms of
2: if you are a person who is like, okay, I really want to do NaNoWriMo, but I don't feel like I have ideas. There are things that you can do. Um, one of the first things I always suggest, and I don't only suggest it because it's my project, but I kind mm-hmm. of do. Um, anyway. <laughs> I I I started doing this thing a couple of years ago on Google Plus and yes yeah, shut up um called the picture game. And the picture game is basically you there's a picture, you look at it for a, like, you know, 30 seconds and then you take 10 minutes and you just write something that's inspired by that picture. And it doesn't matter what you write. Like you can write a description of what's going on, to write something about like the characters of the there are people in the picture um or you could like create like some fantastic scenario for how the picture came to be like, basically just anything, anything you want. Um, and the idea is like, you know, you sit down, you have a timer, you do it for 10 minutes and you just don't stop writing until the timer goes off. And it doesn't matter what you've written. Um, it's just that you have done that writing for 10 minutes. And I have my students doing the picture game, uh, at various parts of writing the other. And also when I've just been doing like straight up, writing workshops, because it's a way to sort of um, get past your internal editor, because it doesn't matter what you write, because you don't necessarily have to show it to anybody. Um, but also the picture game just like inspires a lot of really interesting stories. And sometimes they are just flash stories. Like, you know, it takes 10 minutes. You may write like, you know, 200 words, 250 words, 500 words, if you're one of those ridiculous people who writes a whole lot of words <laughs> in one sitting. Um, but then you know, you might have the seed of a story. You might have an almost complete story. It's really great. And so I enjoy playing the picture game. I actually have been um, posting some of my picture game uh, flash fictions to my Patreon. Like, and that's that's pretty much just where they're going to live. But the other day I was doing one and I was like, oh, this is actually the seed of a story. Not that I need any more stories to write because (laughs) there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm in the middle of a novel, six stories and a trilogy. So stuff is going down but um let's but so, yeah so I love I love doing the picture game because it offers just like a really wide variety of you know different things that you can do different ways that you can be inspired because every day the picture is different so there's that uh other things are I want to say so the writing excuses podcast which is um it's done by my very good friends Mary Robinette Kowal and Howard Taylor and Dan Wells and Brandon Sanderson uh, that's a weekly podcast where they, if if you don't know about this podcast, um, they talk about like some aspect of writing in every episode and they go really deep into stuff, you know, as, as well as doing sort of high level overviews. And I want to say it was season 10. But if I'm wrong about that, we will put the correct link in the show notes. But I think it was season 10 where it was like th- they did the masterclass season where they basically took you through all of the steps to sort of getting your novel, like like figuring out what's going on in your novel. So like, you know, you start with characters or you start with the situation or whatever it is, and they have some, you know, advice and some writing exercises that go through that and, you know, building the character into a real person, figuring out what the character is going to do for the novel, like all this stuff. And so they went through like a whole season where they just did that. And I listened to a lot of the episodes in that season I was and I was like, oh, this actually seems like a really excellent idea, especially if you're the kind of person who's like, you know, you want to write something. You have a lot of like stuff in your head that you're like, oh, well, this this could be interesting or that could be interesting. But you don't think that it warrants an entire novel. But if, I think if you go through all the steps in that process, you're going to have a novel. So those are those are two things that I, I think would be interesting to look at if you're the type of person who's like, I want to do NaNoWriMo, but I don't think that I have a novel. Sized idea,
0: okay. I don't need another podcast to listen to. I feel really hypocritical saying that, but I'm well, gonna definitely that. check out the writing excuses podcast because i've been I've been looking for for podcasts on writing uh that that I want to listen to, so i am excited to to check that one out. Um, yeah, and uh w- one of the things i mean i think I think just letting go is such a big part of any creative endeavor. You know, there's something about, I don't know, that, that inner critic, I think that gets a lot of us down and this applies, I think, across the board into any, anything creative, um, even, even podcasting, you know, sometimes I say there's a podcast that's going to be, I was a guest on a podcast that's going to be released in I think October sometime. And I thought back on that and I was like, Oh, what, what did I say? I shouldn't have said any of what I said. Can like, can we re-record this episode? It's so awful, you know, but I know I'll listen to it and it'll be fine. So finding a way to stifle kind of that, that inner critic is, uh, Is pretty important and it's something I mean if that's something you struggle with as you're listening to this and you're like yeah but I can't do blah 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 well figure out how you can make that that voice be quiet because it's super important and that doesn't it doesn't matter if you're writing or doing app development or UI UX design or drawing or painting or I mean child rearing is a creative endeavor you know like any anything that you do uh you know, you got to figure out ways to kind of stifle that. And that's maybe, I don't know, do we have an expert on stifling inner critics that we can have on for an episode?
2: I would like to find the expert on stifling inner critics. <laughs> I, I feel like that person is some kind of unicorn somewhere where uh, they can be probably. like, hmm, here, let's let's do it. Um, although I will say that um, I on the Writing Excuses Cruise, which is a, a retreat and workshop, for people who listen to the Right Excuses podcast, wow, I sound like some sort of commercial here. At any rate, <laughs> uh, I I have been um, on this cruise the past couple of years as a staff member, and this past year, uh, Emma Newman was one of the author instructors on the cruise, and Emma gave a really great talk about writing and and fear and um being a writer with anxiety and depression like not like you know sort of like oh i'm i'm a little bit stressed out or i'm a little bit sad and the, like literal actual anxiety and depression and how she is able to still write and to work and to get things done uh even though she she does uh struggle with these things as many other writers do um so yeah we perhaps we should have her on um at some point to talk about that because yeah she that's that is some of the best advice that I had ever heard was was that and even though like she can't necessarily tell you how to 100% absolutely silence and and stuff your inner critic in a box um her her advice was was really great on that point
0: yeah um so I want to play, this is kind of going back in our conversation a little bit, but I want to play what um, Jason said about starting and iterating.
1: Yeah, you may find that you are, the thing you started is actually too, too late uh, in the story and go back. Um, My experience, and I, I think this is true for a lot of writers, my experience is I start too early. I did this um, with that first thing I wrote. I had this scene that really struck me and I and I got it down. And that's the, the way the book starts. And for the last 10 years, as it's been sitting in a drawer, I've been thinking, I want to revisit that world. And I could probably do a better job of writing that story today than uh, a decade ago. And one of the moments of realization I had is as much as I love that scene and inspired what ended up being this huge novel manuscript that I wrote. That's my first novel that I wrote. Um, I think that scene happens... I don't think that scene should be in the book. I think that I think the story should happen start later. And um, so really, that can happen, where, you know, you end up throwing away some stuff later once you find what the core of your story is. But you got to get started, right? You got to put that marathon starts with the first step. So does the climb up the mountain. The first words, you know, you you're starting on that journey, you're getting yourself some momentum. You might throw them away later. That's ok, um because the story there's a myth about creativity, which is this idea that, writing a novel, let's say is, is a magical thing. Like, I don't know how it happens. There's creativity and it all happens. And, and these things come out and then there's a book. And it's like, if you read Stephen King as an example on writing, like he, he, one of the great messages in that book is making a novel is like making a table. Um, it's craft (laughs) and novels don't, come out the way you read them. They start out as a mess. The way you read them is the end process, and there's a lot of work that goes on after that first thing. So don't think because the thing you're writing doesn't resemble the novels you read that you're bad at it, because most of the novels that you read probably were bad to start. And then you fix them later. Like Stephen King at one point in On Writing says, um, in my second draft, I like to put in the symbolism. And I'm like, oh my God, wait a second. You mean symbolism is something is, it, is sprinkled in by writers after the fact? And it's like, yeah, totally. That It happens later <laughs> in the game. It's it's You're constructing a book. It's not magic. And it takes hard work.
0: But I want to be a unicorn who is magic and just has novels that come forth perfect with I don't know symbolism and allegories and whatever welcome to the club (laughs) we all want to be that writer yeah
2: because we're we're lulled into a false sense of that's what writing is I I can't remember who I even saw talking about this or what writer they were talking about whenever they were there talking about Kurt Vonnegut, where they were saying something like, you know, Kurt Vonnegut or whoever it was, you know, only ever wrote one draft, like he thought and thought and thought and thought and thought and thought and thought. And then he sat down to write, and what he wrote was the final thing. Word of God. And, you know, I just I really wish that I could just shake until their brains fall out of their ears. <laughs> Any person who gives this kind of, or, or who like puts that kind of thing up on a pedestal. I mean, uh, I feel like so much of what makes writers anxious and sad and feeling like inadequate and whatever is bad writing advice and terrible anecdotes about what other writers have done. Because bad writing advice is bad. Mm-hmm. It makes for bad writing. Um, but anecdotes about what other writers have done are, that are full of lies. They're just full of lies. And then it just makes you feel like, oh, well, I can't do that. And so therefore, I'm inadequate. So yeah, this is, you know, eh, I have feelings. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Also, I don't even care if that's true about Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs>
0: Well, eh. I, so I've never read one of his books ever. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed really overhyped, and I was like, eh, I don't know. Kind of like Stephen King. I've I've read on writing, and I enjoyed on writing. I've read a, actually like probably six Stephen King books, and I didn't enjoy any of them. So I'm just like, meh, not doing that anymore. Oh, no,
2: that's sad. But well, I I will say this. I. Interestingly enough, the first time I read On Writing um, was when it, the year it was published. um, And I had been a big Stephen King reader when I was in high school and early college. And that's not like some sort of knock on Stephen King, like, oh, I read it when I was a juvenile. It's like, no, that's just when, (laughs) you know, I was able to access his books and started reading them. And at one point in On Writing, he's talking about how he was writing The Stand and he had done all these things and set up all these chess pieces and everybody was where they were, whatever. And he's like, why can't I go forward? And he's like, oh, because everybody's too complacent. They're all comfortable where they are. And I need some sort of thing to like force the characters to go and do that thing. And so the, he's like, so I had Harold set up a bomb. And I was like, interesting, Stephen King, because that <laughs> is the point in the book where I was like, what is happening? What is going on? It's Since really, really has heavy become Terrible. Yeah, it's really heavy-handed, but I, I found it interesting that like he felt that that was a major turning point for the good in that book, whereas I, reading that book, felt it was a major turning point for what the hell is happening because the rest of that book doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there are some good aspects of the the last third of that book, but mostly not, and mostly nothing having to do with that explosion, but. I did find it interesting when he talked about, you know, the, the process that he goes through and how, you know, there has, you know, layering in different things in multiple drafts. Um, because that, that is eventually the way that I ended up working. Once I actually let go of the notion that my drafts could, my first drafts could be perfect like Kurt Vonnegut's if only I worked hard enough. If only.
0: If only. Well, Let's hear what Jason has to say about my favorite now topic, uh, my recurring theme for originality, uh, everybody's favorite topic, editing.
1: Don't write it and expect it to be perfect. And second, don't stop writing because it's not perfect, because it's not supposed to be perfect. That's what the editing passes for. And I think that NaNoWriMo, that's one of the things that I really internalized is um, the the NaNoWriMo kind of mantra in a way is um, keep moving forward fix it later, like fix it later. And, and that's the way to do it because that's how you get to the first thing you mentioned, which is practice. If you keep stopping (laughs) to fiddle around with your sentences, you're not writing, which means you're not practicing. And there is truth. Something, anybody who's been through NaNoWriMo, I feel like has this experience, which is the first day writing 1,600 words, maybe it's exciting, but it's also kind of exhausting. And it's really exhausting, like on the fifth day or the sixth day. By the time you reach the end of the month, then, you know, that that idea that you're, um, you're building up kind of a muscle, a writing muscle, it's absolutely true. If you're writing every day, you are practicing, you're learning, and you get better at doing it and and it's way easier not easy writing is not easy but way easier to write 2000 words a day if you've been doing it every day for a month than if you only do it one day every month it's 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 a very different kind of thing so practice and and not looking back while you're doing your initial creative pass because you can fix it later. You will fix it later. You have to fix it later. So don't stop. Just keep moving forward. If you can, there are moments where you're like, Oh, this doesn't make sense. I need to think about it. That's fine. But it's just, we, we so easily get sidetracked by our internal editor that, um, that it it can kill a lot of creativity and it's better to defer your internal editor.
0: Shut up. Internal editor. I'll cut you internal editor. (laughs) Maybe that's our next T-shirt (laughs) or our first T-shirt. I'll cut you. (laughs)
2: Um, So I, I find um, the, I, the thing that Jason was talking about with, you know, if you write this many words every day for a month, um, you definitely get better at it. And that's probably very true. Like I have not been able to sustain any kind of like 2000 word streak for, for an entire month. So I can't speak from experience, but it, it, Dovetails with what Samuel Delaney, uh, who is another awesome author, has said about writing, and he actually says this in his book about writing, uh, which okay. is why I quote it so often. Um, but what he says is that writing is an addiction, but is a it's an addiction that is easily kicked. Uh, which it, the, thinking of it that way definitely dovetails with my experience. Um, and so, one of the ways that many authors do keep up their addiction is by writing every day or saying like you have to write every day. I am not a proponent of you have to write every day, uh, in part because that if you can't write every day, then once again, that's making it anxiety, uh, Mm -hmm. for the writer that is not necessarily good. Um, but also sometimes you, really just can't because of whatever's going on in your life or your particular writing process. Like some people really do need to like spend a lot of time thinking and processing before they can put something down on the page and that's fine. So the thing that I uh, sort of came up with that I tell my students is that, you know, you don't necessarily have to write on your manuscript every day, but since writing is a, a habit that's easily kicked consider doing one 10 minute writing exercise every day because it's 10 minutes. It's a writing exercise. It doesn't mean that you have to show it to anybody. And so it can be terrible or it can be weird or whatever it is. And then you could just be like, well, that was terrible or that was weird. And then you can move on to the next day, but you've written because yeah, like doing something every day, even if just like a little bit is, you know, building up, the the muscles for doing that thing and it's also just keeping your brain engaged in creativity. Um and for some people writing every day if they're a writer isn't necessarily the 100% surest way to like keep their creative brain engaged. Um but I think that you will find that if you talk to any creative artists whether it's writer or actor, painter, dancer, whatever it is, that they're when you say like, how do you keep that creative brain engaged so you can, you know, be really good at this, they're going to say something about doing the thing every day. Um, But it just doesn't always have to be the exact same thing that other people have found to be successful.
0: So maybe making progress every day is a goal. Like, even if it's like, for five minutes, you need to sit and think about your character or characters or a plot point or something, um, whether you're putting, you know, pen to paper or fingers to keyboard or not. Um, I don't know. Maybe that could be like a revised goal for people who can't, you know, writing 1600 words, 1666 words a day. I mean, that's a couple hours a day writing unless you are super quick, which some people are. I am definitely not. That's like a day I would spend the entire month of November just writing because I'm very slow but you know maybe that could be a revised goal if you're like I really can't like I can't spend the time or, or whatever maybe you can make November a month where you you promise yourself you know you set a timer and every day you're spending at least five minutes thinking about your characters or unraveling a plot point or or something if you can't do the thing where you're just you know where you're putting words down um because I don't know I I I totally agree with NaNoWriMo but it's it's hard to fit that much in or you know you do 500 words a day instead of 2,000 or or whatever
2: yeah because I mean the, the whole Stephen King thing was he said that he had to get to I think it, it was 2,000 words 2000, a day yeah Yeah, and so he's like, so I I go into my writing room, and I lock myself in, and I don't come out until I've written 2,000 words. And sometimes it takes a few hours, and sometimes it takes all day, but I lock myself in. I'm like, good for you, Stephen King, that you have such a thing. Your little, your writing room.
0: Yeah, money. Is he
2: like, right, is he like gaming with like gazebo? I've, yeah, I've heard he, tell about the writing gazebo.
0: The, yeah, I've heard of. So yeah, in his it yeah. was it Minnesota house, he has uh, a, well, not in the house, outside of his house in Minnesota, he has a gazebo where he would go to write, and I think he even had like a there's like a table in there with a drawer with like manuscript pages in it, um, but I don't think he spends much time there now.
2: Mm, but. And apparently, J.K. Rowling has a writing hut that's based off of Hagrid's hut. It's like a replica what? of Hagrid's hut, and that's where she what? writes. See, this is, I'm getting, I'm getting two thirds of the information I'm about to impart from you from a tweet on Twitter. So, so you know. <laughs> to, Take my word for it, but, uh, or, or take Twitter's word <laughs> for it. But then Danielle Steele's office apparently the has books? a desk. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah,
2: it's a desk that is like carved and painted to look like three giant stacked Danielle Steele books. And that's her writing desk. I'm like, I oh ju- my God.
0: Yeah. I would totally do. Like if yeah. I came up with Hagrid and I came up with Hagrid's hut, I would love to write in Hagrid's hut. I don't know that I can yeah. write on a desk with three of my books as the the support for it. It seems a little much to me. But yeah. So anyway, uh you having that writing space, but but I
2: I did I do think that whatever it is that you know you think that you can do every day to like keep your creative brain engaged, you should definitely like set it as a as a thing, um, you know, solidify it or whatever. Uh author Delia Sherman does a thing where she has committed to writing 40 minutes every day. And 40 minutes a day of writing sometimes will produce, like, you know, however many words she writes. I believe is a pretty fast writer. Um, Or it could be, like, she was trying to work really hard at, like, getting a scene to work or working out what was going on with a character. Sometimes it's really just, like, research. Like, she has to get some specific bit of research done in order to know what she's going to do in the next scene. Um, But she has committed to doing that 40 minutes a day and that really works for her because it's a time limit. You know, if, if she, however many words she does in that 40 minutes, well, she did her 40 minutes and that's, that's the goal that she was setting out to do, to like do solid work for that amount of time. So yeah, it's, it, it's just going to depend on what works for you in your creative process and, and with your life.
0: Sometimes I spend 40 minutes just crying. It's very sad.
2: Don't spend 40 minutes crying. No, I don't. Spend 40 uh, minutes writing I'm the best, most awesome person over <laughs> and over again. 40
0: minutes lamenting my lack of novel ideas. Um, okay, well, we've kind of strayed a little off the path of Nano NaNoWriMo because the part of the point of NaNoWriMo is just sitting down and writing and and. and getting it done and turning off the editor brain and so uh jason and i were talking a little bit about during naNoWriMo if you're doing it you know the strictly i don't know the prescribed way um what happens if you spot something that you need to change in your novel and tempest i know that you went through this recently but let's hear what jason has to say in the context of NaNoWriMo -uh,
1: not the time not the time. In fact, in NaNoWriMo, one of the things that they suggest sometimes is if you need to make changes, just make the changes. Make it what you want it to be. In the rewrite, you can fix it, right? So, like if you decide that this character's name needs to be different or they need to have a different backstory, or something in the plot doesn't make sense and it needs to be different, just adjust it as if you had gone back and made the other changes. Keep going. Leave some leave yourself some notes and keep going. Don't, you know, don't turn back. It's one of those things where um, I, I just like it just like a shark, like the proverbial shark, right? Always swim forward. You just got to keep moving forward. Just
0: keep swimming. You just sing like Dory. You
2: know what? That has been going through my mind ever since he said to
1: keep going <laughs> forward.
2: I've been hearing just keep swimming from the Finding Nemo, the musical, my head. <laughs> my goodness. Um, but it's good advice for life. Just keep swimming. Indeed. Yeah. That and let it go both both songs written by the same writing team Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, the the same writing team that did Frozen did Finding Nemo the musical, which you can only see at Disney World, but you can get the soundtrack. It's really funny.
0: I haven't been to Disney World since many years before Finding Nemo came out, so Disney.
2: So yeah, in, in the terms of like just keeping going forward, that can sometimes be really hard for me. Um it depends on what mm-hmm. kind of changes I'm I'm thinking about. There have been times where I'm like, I really do actually need to go back because this thing that I'm thinking about as a change is such a fundamental change that the way that the characters move through the first, you know, 20 pages of this novel is going to be different because of this change that I'm thinking about. And so I really do need to go back. But sometimes, yeah, you can just like say, okay, dropping this change now. We're going to fix what came before this when we get to the next revision. But for now, we're just going to keep going forward. For me, it was that um, I decided that a character was... I changed the gender of a character. And I changed them from um, a non-binary person to a cisgender woman. And the, the pronouns changed, but the way that the character is treated by the other characters didn't change that much. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about this in an earlier episode, Mm -hmm. like what all went into that. Um, So I am able to just keep going forward without having to, you know, go back and rewrite everything up to that point with that change in mind, because it, it wasn't so fundamental a shift that there's going to be such a difference in the way that those characters are interacting with her that I need to go back and rewrite it. I can just make notes as to like things that I want to change and, um, working through her background. Um, and I may end up even changing it again once I'm done with this draft, uh, which is another reason why I was like, there's no reason for me to go back. I think I need to get to the end of this draft really before I make the final decision on that. So I can just keep going.
0: Yeah, I am definitely a revise as I write type person, and I think that's part of why I get so bogged down. Is again turning off that that editor brain and just being like, okay, that that sentence is not perfect. You don't have to make it perfect now. That paragraph is not ideal, but you can come back later. Um, and uh, I f- I find myself editing myself into corners and <laughs> making things worse before I even give myself a chance to get things out entirely uh so not ideal I don't think
2: no don't do it gotta don't edit don't do it stop it
0: so I also asked Jason one of the pitfalls that people fall into is listening to the self-critic and going back and and revising and re-revising but I also I asked him what other pitfalls people experience when they are participating in NaNoWriMo and here's what he had to say
1: Well, I mean, finding the time, uh, finding a place, getting support from your family is always an issue too. Like if you've got, you need to have the people around you support you because you are going to be kind of antisocial. Getting support is a big deal. One of the funny things about NaNoWriMo, it is, I I keep trying to explain it as a, I want to say it's kind of an online event because there's the NaNoWriMo website where people register. It's free. You can go there. There are forums. You can talk to other people. You can log your words and all of that but really it's not an online event because there are region um li- they're called municipal liaisons but they're they're uh, regional leaders and they have um they have in person sessions where people come on a Wednesday night in November to a cafe and they all sit there and work on their novels together and you wouldn't think that was a social experience but it totally is and there's a fundraiser that we do every year in San Francisco called the Night of Writing Dangerously and that is a ballroom full of hundreds of people who have gotten lots of donations from their friends to come to this fundraiser and we all sit there and write our novels around a table and um you know so so that's a part of it too, is this sort of social aspect of, and, and support aspect of having other people who are doing the same journey that you're doing. Um, so I, I would say, you know, everybody has writer's block moments and plot idea moments. John August did these, uh, these writer, the writer kit cards that he created, which are very similar to some of the stuff that's in Chris Beatty's book, which is just ways to get you off of the thing you're stuck on. Like, literally, Chris Beatty says things like, have have your characters have a conversation. Like, just have the character you're with now have them have a conversation with somebody on the street and maybe you cut that later and maybe it ends up leading you someplace interesting but like there are ways to kind of free yourself from hmm I don't know what I'm going to do next or a dare where it's like well why don't you have somebody get hit by a car or why don't you have a stray dog run through or you know whatever things that are are just prompts of oh well that that changes my creative trajectory a little bit and it gets you unstuck so you know there's the 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 things that everybody runs into when they're um when they're trying to write that they get stuck and you do have that clock ticking which is right like i if i if i only run 500 words today that's fine but that's added to my total now i need to i need to make it up tomorrow and write 2,000 words or 2,500 words
0: oh the clock
2: that's so many words oh my god it's so
0: Um, many words
2: (laughs) yes but but uh yeah it's just just keep writing like just Mm. keep something is very difficult for people who whose tendency is to not just keep going. And it's good that challenges like NanoRimo can help you get past that. Um, because sometimes you just have like super messy draft. It, but for some people, they're just like, oh, I just can't deal with it. I can't have a super messy draft because then I have to like keep doing this over and over again. But you know, creating a super messy draft and then revising that super messy draft into something else. Those are different skills. And so, you know, you build one skill and one part of the writing process and then you build another skill. And that I think is is the most important thing. But first you have to be willing to like build that one skill of having the messy first draft, even if just to get something down, because then eventually you're, if you do enough messy first drafts, You'll be able to get cleaner and cleaner first drafts, which means less work in the revision process. I, I doubt it ever will mean no revision unless you become like JK Rowling rich, and then you can just tell your editors to go away. And they're like, But mm-hmm. wait a minute, this character doesn't make sense. And you're like, shut up, I'm JK Rowling. Yes. And
0: I think that happened later anyway. Mm. Um,
2: but yeah, you you get better and better at at what's going on in your first drafts. Yeah
0: so do Um, it do it do it and um also again like this is NaNoWriMo so we're talking about writing but again this applies to a lot of creative endeavors so I don't know I don't know how we would coordinate it uh but if anyone listening has a thought as to like how could we uh have like some, some kind of challenge for originality listeners for whatever it is that they do, whether it's, you know, development or, or writing, or I don't know, like all, all, all the things you do, um, music composition, can we, is there some way that we can have kind of like a community wide challenge and check in like over Twitter and, um, you know, in November, whether the, maybe it's just like, hey, everybody, you know, 15 minutes a day, do the thing. And if you miss a day, then maybe you do, you know, 30 minutes or whatever, kind of borrowing from that same idea. But um, I would love to hear because, I mean, it's the end of September when this goes out. So we have a little bit of time that we might be able to come up with something. And I mean, our originality community is still small enough that I feel like we could do it without it being completely unwieldy. Uh, So maybe something that that we can think about. We have a little hashtag to do check-ins or or something. I don't know. Um, Just a thought. Yeah. But I also, um,
2: I love the idea of also collecting all the different challenges like this that exist. Um, Yeah. Because the thing I'm thinking about, like Inktober is coming up. And for those of you who are not artists, um, Inktober is a month where you draw a thing or ink a thing every day for the month of October. So, you know, it's like NaNoWriMo, but for inking things. And then, you know, when we had our episode with S.J. Tucker, she had talked about the songwriting challenge of writing a song. Was it every week? I think it was once a a week, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of of writing songs songs through, through the year. And so there must be other um, creative challenges like this. So that's another thing that I would love, be really interested in hearing from our community about is like, what are the other challenges of this type that even exist already? Um, because maybe, maybe what we could do as a community is like make a calendar and like do all of them.
0: Yeah, that would be kind of cool. And I know that, uh, you know, like February is IncoWriMo, which is, as you can tell, uh, borrowed from NaNoWriMo, but it's a national like writing writing a letter month I don't remember how it goes exactly but where you write like an actual handwritten letter to someone every day and send it off um so yeah there there are a lot of things so yeah let us know tweet at us it's at originality FM and let us know what your thoughts are on this um something that Jason said I I, I loved his analogy here um he we were we were talking about like why nanorimo matters um, and why, you know, challenges like this matter. And um, let me play what he had to say, because I liked his analogy quite a bit.
1: The um, the big thing that comes up a lot that I, I think is worth addressing here, although the listeners to this podcast may not um, believe this, although they may face this in their own lives, too, is uh, something that um, it's a imagine a basketball game. You walk, you're walk. you walking on the weekend past a basketball court in your city or town and people are playing basketball. Just, you know, it could be teenagers, could be um, grownups. Let's say it's a pickup game and it's guys in their thirties, men and women in their thirties and forties playing basketball. Okay. This happens. People like to play basketball. It's fun. I have lots of friends who play basketball, pick up games and on the weekend with friends and they play basketball or, you know, or it's touch football or they're playing softball in the park, whatever it is. Nobody ever asks them, why do you play basketball if you're not ever going to get to the NBA? Nobody ever asks them that because it's understood. This is fun. They do it because it's fun and maybe it's because it's exercise too, but they do it because it's fun. Not because they have a career goal to be a professional basketball player or softball player or baseball player or whatever, because it's fun. But if you write a novel, you will hear from somebody, are you going to get it published? Why are you doing it if you're not going to get it published? As if the act of creating something and thinking, you know, changing how you think about the world, which writing a novel really does because it's a very different way of processing things in your brain. Um, As if that doesn't matter unless somebody pays you to publish it later. And I don't know why we're like that. I don't know why there's a difference between those two things, but I firmly believe there is no actual difference between those two things. And that doing something for the pleasure of it, knitting, knitting, or, or uh, quilting or writing, doing something for the pleasure of it is not dependent on having the final output of that be saleable or have some sort of uh, uh, officialness conferred upon it. Like the people who do NaNoWriMo, some of them publish their novels, some of them self-publish their novels. Other people just went to the top of the mountain and know that they went there and they didn't take anything back from the top of the mountain, except maybe a picture, but they know that they did that. And everything that they had to do to get to the top of that mountain or every bit of training they had to do to finish that marathon and writing a novel is really like that. And I think it's unfortunate that, um, that some people think that the only point in writing a novel is to get it published because that's not, whole story publishing novels is great but a very tiny percentage of the novels that are written are ever going to be published and that's okay it doesn't mean that um, the people who write those novels or write fan fiction or do any sorts of other things that they do because they love those characters and those stories and to spend time writing you know it's completely valid even if it never sees the light of day even if nobody ever reads it
0: i love that yes i agree
2: I highly agree, even as a person who's like, I am writing in order to get this published. But yeah, not everything needs to be for the purpose of that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just want to create and share with your friends and and make and, and do something like accomplish something like getting to the end of 50,000 words and having like an actual cogent story. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. Like whether or not their draft is a mess or not, you still have accomplished something that not a lot of people have been able to do. Not a lot of people really just can't do. Yep.
0: You know, right because you love it. Yep. Yeah. Very much like running a marathon or triathlon or Ironman or like whatever. Like, what does that get you? Really not a lot. A lot unless of you're... bad knees. Yeah. Bad knees. It gets you bad knees. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're super elite. You know, you, you do it because you love to do it. And I mean, NaNoWriMo is the marathon. You know, it's the writing equivalent of a marathon. It really is. Yep. So, yeah. So, do it.
2: Do it and do be it. elite and have bad knees. <laughs> writers,
0: writer's hand.
2: Writer knee. Writer <laughs> knee.
0: Writer knee. Um. So, Tempest, neither you nor I have actually completed. NaNoWriMo, but Jason has. And I asked him kind of about his NaNoWriMo journey, like how he heard about it and and got involved with it. So let's hear what he has to say. So we get it from, you know, the, the mouth of a horse who has been through
1: the process. I don't even know. I don't remember exactly where I heard about it. It was just kind of like bubbling around on the internet. And there was a day in, I think, and I think it was 10 years ago now, where I had been meaning—I wrote short stories in high school and college, um, and I did a fiction magazine on the Internet back before there was a a World Wide Web and and because nobody else was doing it back in a time when there were things on the Internet that no one else was doing, which doesn't happen anymore. Um, And so I'd been interested in fiction. I'd been meaning to go back and write things, and I'd always wanted to write a novel. So I had had that moment where I thought— um, Oh, national novel running month. Maybe this is it. I'm deadline oriented. Maybe this is how I could do it. So I, um, I decided at that point that I would try it. I had a novel outline that I'd been working on, on my commute for a while now. And, um, so I opened, uh, a text editor on November like 5th. So I was already way behind, opened a text editor on November 5th and just started writing. And what I wrote was turns out not the novel, um, that I had outlined at all. It was something completely new that I had, I had not, Really had much of a thought about what I wanted to do it was just some vague ideas, and I started writing. And by the end of that November, I had written sixty thousand words, um, and had a part of a novel that I needed to continue. And so I won, which basically you go on the NanoRimo website and put in your word count, and it lets you track and shows you your pace and things like that. And if you cross fifty thousand words, you can say you're a winner. And so that's what I got into it, and and uh, and. I wrote, what, I've written three novels, but it's across six NaNoWriMo's because I, I the novels are long enough that I would actually just pick it up the next year and continue writing it. So I've got about 150,000 word novel and a couple of 100,000 word novels in a drawer somewhere that I'd like to revise someday and see if I can publish them. But um, right now they're just sort of sitting in a digital digital junk drawer somewhere uh, collecting digital dust.
0: Oh, the digital dust.
2: It's okay to have digital scrapbook thingies collecting digital dust because... Agreed. Yeah. Not everything you write is going to be something that you actually want to turn into something that you want to publish or or even just show to people or work on further. So that's cool. But I, I like the idea where he was like, oh, I'm just going to open up this text editor and do a thing. It's not even the thing I was thinking about. It's this other thing. Oh, I have 60,000 words. He's one of those people. He one is. Those people who can write all those <laughs> words well now now i have to reassess (laughs) whether or not i like him oh wait
0: he's pretty he's pretty likable he's pretty great uh well and he writes a ton so he was as he said he was the editor of macworld for a long time before that he was a writer at macworld and uh you know other kind of apple centric publications and now he has um his own news uh, tech news blog and he writes a ton for that too and then he does like NaNoWriMo type stuff on addition in addition to that and I'm just absolutely blown away it is pretty mind-blowing it is Uh, some people
2: they're just fabulous (laughs) how do they do it Oh, well, wait, them. we've been talking about this since the whole time. I <laughs> no, have. Yeah. Well, and and I think, that I feel like that's actually really inspiring because, you know, he said he'd been thinking about a novel for a long time. He'd been outlining it and then he just went and wrote something else. But sometimes that's just the way it is. Like you you can be like the art, doing the architect thing, planning and planning, but then when you actually sit down, like some some other garden comes flowing out of your fingers. Uh, I feel like NaNoWriMo is like, particularly good at bringing out that sort of thing where you're just like I'm just going to keep writing until this becomes something you have yeah. the freedom to do that so I think that that what this means is that we're going to have to have a NaNoWriMo challenge for you Aline like we're going to get you from like not having an idea to having an idea so that when November 1st comes you are ready to like start putting some words on the page <gasps>
0: I'll think about it. I don't, I honestly don't know if this, this November is my November to do it, but it might be my November to do something revised where it's, you know, I make a commitment. I already try to write for half an hour a day. So, you know, maybe my NaNoWriMo is instead sitting down, turning off the self-editor and writing for extra time. So I'm doing like 45 minutes or an hour a day. Um, so, so maybe that's it. I don't, I'm not sure, uh, with the, the workload I have, I'm, I'm very, uh, <laughs> worn thin right now. And I think that's going to be true in November as well. So we'll, we'll see what my, what my time looks like, um, at that point, but, um, it might just, it might be a, a matter of earning money versus doing something that doesn't earn money, which is kind of the freelancers conundrum. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens i'll I'll let everybody know when I decide
2: you know I'm totally gonna be talking to her once we turn these microphones <laughs> off like Aline, We're not recording anymore. We're gonna do this
0: Let's make it happen oh we we will see we will see, we will see all right, uh, maybe there are some meetups in Phoenix uh since that is where I live uh maybe that'll that'd help too, so Anyway, Tempest, anything else to add for this episode? I think that I I do want to challenge.
2: Okay, I got in trouble the last time I challenged the people to do a thing. So let me just preface this by saying I'm not telling you that you have to do it, and I'm not coming to your house to make you. So you know. All right. So I, but I think it would be a good challenge for our listeners to to pick a month that's coming up in the next, say, four months, um, and whatever creative thing that you do or a creative thing that you are interested in doing or getting into pick one month and then just set a goal and do that thing. So if it's going to be NaNoWriMo, if you're a writer, awesome. Um, You could do, if you're a jewelry designer, I did this once where I made a new piece of jewelry every day. It was supposed to only last a month. It lasted a lot longer than that because I was like, I'll do this until the beads are gone. Beads replicate. (laughs) At night, behind one's back. They never were gone. Anyway, um, or maybe you're going to participate in Inktober if you are a visual artist. Um, uh, maybe you, if you're a songwriter, you're like, I can write a new song, you know, complete a new song um, every week for the, for the month of December or something along those lines. But whatever it is, like, that's my challenge to you, just, like, to figure out what month you're going to do the thing, what your goals are for the thing, and and then, like, say, all right, I'm committed to doing this thing for one month. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say about that. So yeah. so, yeah. I NaNoWriMo has inspired me.
0: And if you feel like sharing what you're going to do, tweet, again, tweet at OriginalityFM or at me directly. I am at Aline on Twitter or Tempest, who is Tiny Tempest on Twitter. And let us know what you're going to do. And And, like I said, we can... Hopefully it would be really cool if we could make it a, com- a community building event where we're um, encouraging and, and lifting one another up.
2: Yeah, I'm totally down with that.
0: Yeah. So before we go, I want to play the bit where Jason tells you where you can find him online and NanoRIMO.
1: Yeah. So to get much more about National Novel Writing Month, go to NaNoWriMo.org. That's N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O.org. And sign up for free uh before november 1st it's got lots of great tools like i said for word counts and the like And I found those really useful. I had word count spreadsheet and word word count chart bookmarked. And it was really great in saying, all right, well, if I write another thousand words, then I'm down to only 900 words a day for the next five days and things like that. And that can be really useful when you're in the bargaining stage of trying to write 50,000 words in a month. You can uh, find me. I write at sixcolors.com. I podcast at theincomparable.com and relay.fm, of course. And you can find me on Twitter at JSnell, J-S-N-E-L-L.
0: Okay, and until next time, figure out what you're going to do for a month.